Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, good morning again. Good morning. So um, for those of you who may be visiting today, again, my name is Jeff McIntosh. I'm the Director of Pastoral Care, and uh, I get to speak this morning. We are coming off a very busy Christmas season where we had uh, two days of church on the weekend and then Christmas Eve, Eve, and Eve services. And um, uh, across both of our campuses, Pastor Trevor's off this weekend, and uh, I get to bring, bring the word. I'm excited about that. How many were here for the Christmas Eve service? Wasn't that awesome? That was great. Uh, so we, we had over, uh, we had eight services over the two campuses for Christmas Eve, and we had a total of 2,822 people across uh, the Christmas Eve services. So if you think of like, you know, last week's numbers of attendance, you know, that's double of what we normally have. So uh, that's a thank you to you for inviting your family and friends. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing that uh, when we do that, people come and they come. So I encourage you to continue to do that. God is good. Um, also, we, we took up our Christmas offering and uh, our goal was to, to reach 75000 All of the Christmas Eve offering from all those services, every single penny of it goes towards our mission, uh, our, the things that we do for missions and the various uh, local charities that we support and our missionaries around the world, different endeavors. We use that through the year. Um, we will get an update next week on if we hit our goal or if we went over our goal. So you have a couple more days if you haven't given towards that yet to um, mark uh, the missions offering. And we will give an update next week on what we hit as our goal to continue to spread the love of Christ. But um, so as I mentioned, 2020, that just sounds, sounds weird in some ways. Um, Sounds good, right? 2020 coming up, and it's, it's, it's a new year that we're looking at. So, and I have a question for you. How many of you in here set New Year's resolutions each year? One? Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, statistically, about 40 to 45% of Americans set a New Year's resolution of some type or more multiple ones. And I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, we have to mark the year somewhere where it begins, and this is where our culture does. And I think to take stock of what, you know, what we can improve in our life, what we can set out, what goals we can set, I think it's a good thing. Um, what do you think is one of the most frequent goals set? Diet. I heard a lot of people saying diet, right? Yeah, diet. Diet, working out, yeah. So getting healthy, right? Do something to get healthy. And that is the most frequent one, is some type of diet. Um, how many have tried that as a New Year's resolution? You know, I think it's, I, I know why. I mean, my family and I had a great Christmas because we had all those four services. And then Christmas morning, we opened the presents and then we did nothing. It was awesome. It was awesome. We did nothing except eat and then eat and then eat and then eat a little more, take a nap and then eat. It was great. It was great. 
So, yeah, I think a lot of people start thinking about, all right, how can I get, get healthier after all that feasting? Feasting's biblical, by the way, so it's okay. Uh, so, but, and many Americans go on diets, and there's some crazy diets out there. I want to I share some diets that maybe you've heard of. Let's see if you've heard of some of these. This one's been around a while. Some people do the grapefruit, grapefruit juice diet. So this is where dieters reduce their food intake to under 1,000 calories a day. That's just sad. But, um, uh, every, and every meal needs to be accompanied by either half a grapefruit or eight ounces of fresh juice. Hence the name. Makes sense, right? So then there's, there's this other one, uh, the blood type diet. This is where supposedly your blood type determines what type of food you should eat. And uh, a lot of people tried that. It's a little weird. But... Um, this one, this one was a fad a while back. It's called the HCG diet. So this is a diet where you actually use a needle and inject uh, pregnancy hormone into you um, while you restrict your calories. Now, I'm not sure I want to feel pregnant to lose weight. <laughs> I've seen that four times up close. And, um, but then again, if I was pregnant, it might make you guys lose your appetite. So, no. <laughs> Um, all right, so this one, this one's maybe not as bad, but uh, the cabbage soup diet. So this is one where you're allowed to add in foods, various foods, you know, to your meals, but with every meal, you have to force down watery, limp cabbage soup every day. I know how that one works. You just don't, you don't want to eat it anymore. How about this one? The baby food diet. Gross. That's just gross. Baby food. Oh, this one's great. The magnetic diet. This one claims that if you, in, you will invite great food into your life with the laws of attraction. Yeah, I attract a lot of cake and ice cream, right? <laughs> That's great food. Um, this one's kind of sad. This one's terrible. Definitely don't recommend this one. The cotton ball diet. This is where in the modeling industry... Sometimes people dip cotton balls in orange juice and swallow up to five a day to curb their hunger. Not recommended. Don't do that. That's terrible. Here's one that's kind of popular lately. The lemonade diet. This is more of a fast. It, you don't eat any food, and dieters are allowed to drink six to ten glasses of uh, lemonade made from lemons, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. That's really good for heartburn. Try it. Um, oh, this is one. Some of you will love this one. I'm a little tempted with this one myself. It's called the Sleeping Beauty Diet. <laughs> so the, the theory is if you're asleep, you can't eat, right? So all you have to do is convince a doctor sedate, to sedate you for a few hours a day, and then you'll, you'll lose weight. Don't do that. Not recommended. Uh, this one people have done, the Feeding Tube Diet. Yeah, it's as bad as it sounds. And then this, this is my favorite. Um, it's the tapeworm diet. This involves swallowing a capsule filled with tapeworm eggs. As they grow, they eat the food that you eat, and you don't get as much into you. Definitely not recommended. But, uh, so people will go to extremes, though, right? People go to extremes to get healthy, to curb the way they're eating. And... Um, 
I think all of those will be done before February. But You know, and although it's funny to kind of look at the extremes we'll do to feed ourselves physically, right? All the different things to take care of our body, and I think we should. There's another type of feeding that the Bible talks about often and uses the analogy of taking in food, of sustenance, of eating. And it's, it's the, the feeding on the Word of God, the filling ourselves up spiritually by taking in the Word. And many times in Scripture, God's Word you know, is compared to different types of food or different types of ways that were nourished by it. And, and just to think about that for a minute, one of the ways that we do grow is through understanding, reflecting on, learning to follow, and daily interaction with the Word. But the truth is, too many of us, too many of us only feed on the Bible on Sundays. We fall into this pattern where we're not looking at the Word, we're not looking at Scripture, except on Sundays. Now think about that. Think about it if you compare that to food. What if you only ate on Sundays? You could eat the most nutritious food. You could fast on it. You could only eat on Sundays. How, how well would you be doing physically after a while? Not well. You'd, you'd actually, I mean, you'd probably live for a long time, but it would get worse and worse and worse. So too often, we fall into a pattern of not really engaging God's Word except for on Sundays. So, you know, uh, to one of the more well-known instances in God's Word where it's being compared to food is actually in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Matthew tells us that um, after Jesus was baptized, he's starting on his ministry, he goes to John the Baptist, he, he's baptized. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord led him into the desert to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. So he's baptized, kind of the inauguration of his ministry starting, and the Spirit sends him out to be tested. And he's in the desert, and he's fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He's literally starving, and then that's when the devil comes to tempt him. And the first temptation that the devil tempts him with is, he says, if you're the Son of God, command these rocks to turn into bread, you know, obviously so he can eat. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And Jesus says this to him. He says, Jesus answered in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So think about this for a minute. Jesus was literally starving to death. At 40 days out with no food, your body is in starvation mode. You are starving to death. People have not eaten that long, but he was starving to death. Food is a legitimate need. It's not sinful to eat. I thought I'd get an amen, but anyways. Um, It's not sinful to eat. And Jesus is God, right? He is the Son of God. He, he, he is God. He has the power to make what he created, the rocks into bread. If he wanted to, it wouldn't be sinful for him because he is God. He is the creator. But what does he say? He points out to the devil because he was living the perfect life for us. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus says later in, in, in the Gospels that he does nothing that he doesn't see the Father doing. He completely followed what God was telling him to do at all points. Perfect obedience. And at that time, he was still being told to fast, apparently. 
So he knew it wasn't the Father's will from that moment. He points out to the devil that to overcome the temptation of following God's word is sometimes even more important than food. Look at how um, the word is lifted up in Psalm uh, 119, verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. So, you know, for people who desire to follow Jesus, the word of God, the Bible, is likened to a lamp, right? It's like a, a flashlight. That's the kind of lamp it's talking about, right? To light the path in front of you. Now, how many of you have ever been away from the city, away from light pollution in real dark? Real dark. I remember as kids, we used to, I lived in a kind of semi-rural place in in, uh, Massachusetts, and we used to love to play in the woods. It's about 13. And in October, November, it starts to get dark at like 4.30 up there. It's terrible. So we'd be out in the woods, and we'd be playing, building forts and stuff, and then all of a sudden we'd realize, wow, the sun just went down. And we'd be quite a ways out. I remember one time walking out with my friend, and there was no moon. It was cloudy. It was so dark that we were banging in the trees, tripping over every rock and stick. Now, we were laughing, even though we probably could have, could have been impaled. But uh, we, were, we were laughing, thought it was funny. But if I had a flashlight, I wouldn't have been tripping as much. And that's the image of the Scripture, that His Word is a light to our path. Now, if you think about that dark of woods, if I had a flashlight, would it have lit up the whole woods? No. And sometimes our life is like that, right? Sometimes we need just the next step. Sometimes that's all God will shine the light on. But we get that by learning, by meditating, by listening to him primarily through his word. And he lights up what the next step is. You know, it's, and it's, it's, um, it's not just about, you know, finding out from God's word where to step. But in doing this, in seeking to understand, to be interacting with his word, it's the primary way in how we grow. So you see, you see when we're about to start um, a new series next week, we're coming off of uh, Fear Not series. It's a great, great series through Christmas, I thought. It was touching on a lot of things we needed to hear. And we'll be starting our next series, Your Best Year Yet. And uh, the preaching team was discussing on what could we do on this Sunday, kind of in between, that would set us up best for the year. What's the one thing that we, we would want for everybody here that they could do that would lead to our goal, which our ultimate goal here is the second half of our mission statement, which is that we'd grow together to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, right? That we'd interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and grow together to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. So what is it we can impress on you? What is it something that we as followers of Jesus can decide to do today to make 2020 different in in the positive direction towards being fully devoted followers? And it was clear to us that it's encouraging us all to be in God's word more. Um, You know, some, some sermons are more preachy and some are more teachy. There's a little more teachy, so I hope you'll indulge us. But this is what we feel the Spirit wanted to impress again. Um, Look at John 14, uh, 26. So this is Jesus. He's explaining to the disciples in uh, in the context of the Scripture that he is going to be crucified and rise again and go to be with the Father. And he's telling them that this is a good thing for them because 
that'll allow the Holy Spirit to come. And in speaking about the Holy Spirit, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So I want to point something out about this promise of Jesus is that he said the Holy Spirit will remind us of what he said. Now, for the, for the disciples, it's because they had been with him for three years and how he had been teaching them. But for us, it's the Scriptures. The Scriptures, this is the primary way that God teaches us, that the Holy Spirit reminds us, illuminates to us, shows us what God has said. But the logic is there, right? If you're not putting the Scripture into you, there's a lot less for the Spirit to work with. And a lot of us, we don't give God a, a lot of time and putting the Scriptures in our hearts and mind in a way that He can remind us of what He said. Uh, think of it this way. Um, God is saying that by His Spirit, hear me now, He wants to teach you. He wants to teach you. Not just people who get up and teach. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you, every individual Christian. That's an amazing thing. The God of the universe wants to teach you, and he's there to do that. This is like having Warren Buffett call and say, hey, I'd like to teach you how to do finance. Probably be a good thing to listen, right? Probably, especially if he's like God and was, you know, giving you a bunch of free stuff like we have in grace, right? Or how about Tiger Woods calls up and Offers to teach you golf. I see some people saying I still wouldn't want to play golf, but um, that's all right. Or Gordon Ramsay calls to give you cooking lessons. That would be great, right? You're going to take him up on it because they're the best. But often as Christians, we slip from seeking to be taught by God. I remember, uh, you know, I've shared before, I came to faith at 19, and I really didn't have much Bible knowledge. You know, people in our culture think they have more than they actually do, but I really didn't know anything. And I remember because I was new to faith, because, you know, all of a sudden I knew God was there and um, I had a relationship with him, reading his word was exciting. I was getting all this new information about this God who would save me, and, and I was driven to read it, and, and, I, and I loved it. It was, it was, I would sneak away to do it even, because I was emotionally driven. But, you know, the longer you're in Christ, you go through seasons where, since you already know a lot, you kind of slip with that interaction. You kind of let it, you know, have a dry spell where, yeah, you're praying to God, but you're not being as intentional as you once were. This happens to most Christians. And we have to come back to the basics. And that's what we're trying to impress today. Because I don't know about you, but I leak, Right? I mean, God will tell me things. I, I know where the scriptures are, but unless I'm reviewing it and praying through the scriptures and letting them speak to me, um, I, can, I can start to lose, lose what I've learned. So I know that this isn't new information, right? Anyone that's been a Christian a long time, you heard preachers say, you got to read your Bible. But we need to be reminded of this. And the truth is that... Um, it's not really about reading it or knowing about that we need to read it. It's about actually doing it, right? A lot of you are like saying, oh, well, yeah, we know this. Well, the question is, but are you doing it? And this is the perfect day to recommit to that. 
So what I'm, what I'm saying is that it, if, according to this scripture, this is the primary way that God speaks to us by reminding what he said through his word. And, you know, people have known this through, the his, through history, but there's a fascinating study that came out uh, called the Reveal Study and one other one from Lifeway Research that kind of puts this into perspective. Um, let me read this to you. It says, this is from the American Bible Society. It says, over the past five years, several studies have been conducted on scripture engagement and its potential to strengthen one's relationship with God. Two stand out. One was conducted by, in 2008 by Lifeway Research in which 2,500 Protestant church attendees were followed for a year to determine what helped their faith grow. Brad Wagner clearly identified the catalyst, the daily discipline of reading. In fact, daily Bible engagement was the number one predictor of spiritual growth, of spiritual maturation, of becoming mature in Christ. Um, Willow, the Willow Creek Association confirms this in their uh, reveal survey. So this reveal survey, they were looking at what causes growth. They actually had looked at some of the things they thought in uh, the Willow Creek model and, and found that what they thought caused growth wasn't causing as much as they thought, so they set out to figure out what causes people to grow. And they looked at um, people from, you know, going from being interested in Christ to being Christ-centered. And um, so over a period of four years, uh, they polled more than 1,500 churches representing more than 400,000 church attendees. So it's a big study at various stages in their spiritual journey. Um, the, the scripture reflection, the reveal survey found, was the number one way to help people grow in their love for Christ. Uh, Parkinson and Hawkins explained that the key finding in the reveal survey suggests that people fall along a spiritual continuum from exploring Christ to being Christ-centered, and many things in between those two points. That's the goal, right? To be fully devoted followers of him. Help us grow. Many things do. But um, more than any other practice, Bible reading moves people forward for their love for God and their love for others. They said this, reflection on Scripture is much more influential than any other spiritual practice by a statistical wide margin. Parkinson and Hawkins state, for those who would say they are Christ-centered or working to stay close to Christ, Scripture reflection is twice as catalytic, meaning twice as effective of reaching that goal than any other, any other practice. So this means that it's twice the power of any other spiritual practice to you know, cause you to grow faster and to mature spiritually. Now, I'm a little bit of a geek for that kind of stuff, and that's kind of chop talk, but that's not a surprise if you really think about it. What we have in the Word of God is the inspired Word of God, the story of his interaction with his people that was uh, given to us and preserved for us through the ages. So what we wanted to do this morning is to lift up and encourage you guys to look again at what we try to teach people to do as a way of having spiritual um, uh, time for, for reflection on the Word. And something that we push around here is called uh, Word of God Speak. We used to call it the University of the Holy Spirit, but now we call it Word of God Speak. 
And this is a reading plan that we have available. You can get it at the welcome desk. Um, these are two different versions of the reading plan. One reading plan is, takes you through the whole Bible in a year. The other is a, uh, takes you through the New Testament. So it's one chapter a day, the shorter plan, the longer plan. Um, and this is something that will cause you to grow more than anything else if you begin to understand the whole uh, story of the Bible overall over time. So what we encourage people to do is to pick a plan, to go through it daily, um, you can find this uh, in, in this form on, on bookmarks, or if you have the Uversion app on, uh, on your phone, you can download Word of God Speaks 1, or the longer version is called the Life Journal um, Reading Plan. Now, the challenge that Pastor Dale and I and Trevor and uh, Pastor Ephraim are challenging is we would love you guys to consider starting on January 1st. Now, not only would this be something that God's going to use to grow you, but if we're all on the same plan, we're looking at the same scriptures each day. Think of the power in that. When God speaks to you out of this chapter, and, he, and then he speaks to you, someone else of the same chapter, and then you talk about it, often that's how the Holy Spirit works, confirming things or, or um, just growing our faith, as we know he's speaking to us as a church, as well as an individual. So we want to look at something that we also encourage. So that would be the first thing. Start the plan. Um, if you've, who has done a, a plan like this that kept you going through the year? Can you raise your hand? Good. About half of us. So I would encourage those who have never tried that to get a system. If it's not this one, we encourage you to do this one. Something very similar would work as well that takes you systematically through the scriptures. A lot of people open the Bible and they just kind of randomly go places, and that's not as, not as helpful. So what, what we also encourage to do is journaling. So this is my new journal for the year that I got from my son Andrew and my uh, Christmas present. And so we want to go over uh, just a method for reflecting on the scriptures. Um, it's called SOAP. Now, SOAP stands for, it's an acronym for Scripture, Observation, uh, Application, and Prayer. And this is just a way, let's say you're doing Word of God Speak, and you read on the first, it'll be Luke 1, you read through the chapter, and your the Scripture would be looking for what jumps out at you. Now, like I said, um, this is the primary way the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It's through his word. And this shouldn't surprise us. Let's look at um, 2 Peter 1, 20-21. It says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible is an amazing thing. The Bible is a, a, a compilation of 66 books written by 40 or so authors over a span of over 1,500 years in three different languages in multiple different cultures at different times. And yet all the authors of those 66 books were carried along by the Holy Spirit, writing through their personalities and their circumstances. We see all that in there. That's all part of it. 
And yet, God inspired them to write these words, and then he preserved these words, and the church early on recognized these writings and bound them together in what we now call the Bible. Now, what we believe about this is that these words that are in these 66 books are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, i got to ask you something, just so you can, can see the miracle that we all take for granted and you know, have laying around all our house. The, the, the words of God, does God ever change? So the Holy Spirit's God, right? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So the Holy Spirit inspired those words. He doesn't change. You can know when you're reading the scriptures. Now, granted, some things take a lot of study to, to interpret them right. But you can know what God says. It's not up for debate. You can know what he says. He's speaking to you when you're prayerfully taking in the word of God. Now, it wasn't written directly to us, so there's some, you, we get better at this, and there's, it's a book that um, children can understand a lot of it, and other people can get multiple PhDs and study it their whole life. And it should be, right? It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But when you're reading the miracle that the scriptures are, God is going to use it. He's going to illuminate what you're reading. And that's what we're looking for as we're going through. We're looking for a passage on whatever our reading is for the day that jumps out at us. I call highlighting it for me. Sometimes you're just interested in it. Sometimes when you're reading genealogies, you got to really work at trying to journal on it. But, you know, God will use it. And you journal on those things. You write down what scripture jumps out to you. And um, that's, so that's S. Now look at uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. There it is again. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's how we're equipped. That's how we grow. It's right there by interacting with the, the words of God through Scripture. So the next thing you do when you're journaling, and we, we encourage this, is to see what jumps out to you after you read your passages. Write down a, a, you know, a verse or two or whatever the thought is from, from a verse. And then observe it. Look at it. Look at the different, what the, the Scriptures are saying. Look at the context in there. And um, we can see some people in the past did this in Acts 17, 11. Paul had preached to the Berean Jews, and they had received the word. And he says this, about, Luke records this about him. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So, when God highlights something to you at what you're reading, you write that down. And then you just look at it and say and observe, what does the passage mean? What is the thought that the author's trying to get about? And you just write that down. You're not trying to be a Bible scholar, it gets better with time. I think you just, what do you see? How does it fit in other scriptures? How does it fit in the immediate context of the chapter you just read? What's the thought? You write that down. And then you move to the next. Uh, part of soap, which is application. Uh, James 1, and 25 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. 
do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So this, this is the growth that we're talking about, right? So God highlights something. You observe what the meaning of it, what was the meaning to the people who originally heard it, what does that mean today? And then you write down, this means I need to. And you write that application out. Now, when you're doing this, when you're approaching the scriptures this way, this is the work of the Spirit. This is submitting to the Lord, being a fully devoted follower of Him. Um, and that's it's where the rubber meets the road, right? And then you move to prayer. Now, some people write their prayer. Some people write a little shorthand and then actually pray. I think you should do both. First um, Peter 2, 2-3 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so, by, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. There it is, growing up, right? Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So then you pray. Now when you do that, when you have, when you have a, this, you know, writing down prayers, writing down prayer requests is how we have testimonies, right? It's how we remember what we prayed for and what God answers. It's an awesome tool. Now, this is a tool, again, that we want to encourage. If we could give you, make you do one thing, we could give you one thing this year to improve a year, it would be this. It would be intentional plan of seeking the Lord, reading the Word, and journaling this year. But I know some of you are saying, yeah, I tried that before. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, but I got off track. And the truth is, honestly, there's many excuses for staying the same in 2020 as 2019. Um, I've had them. I've heard them all, right? I, how about this one? Uh, this is an excuse often people will say, I have a hard time paying attention. Yeah. Um, the only way that you can do that, to get over that, is to keep paying attention, keep coming back to it, right? It's grace. I, I heard uh, someone was telling me about a meme they saw where it's like, every time I go to pray, I fall asleep. And the meme said, you know, I feel so guilty about it. And then, and then the meme said, well, is that true for your kids? If your kids come in to talk to you and they fall asleep in your arms, are you mad at them? I mean, if you're praying and you fall asleep because you were praying, I think God's okay with that. You just wake up when you wake up and start praying again, Right? The same thing with reading. I mean, yeah, you'll read a paragraph and you'll be thinking about groceries. Just get back to it. You'll get better at it over time. So that's just an excuse. Take in what you can. Or how about, I don't understand the Bible well. Yeah, there's a lot of things in there that are hard to understand. Um, if you look on the back of your notes, uh, note page that came in your folder, there's some resources in there that over time will help you to understand. One is uh, the Bible Project videos that you can look up. And these are very helpful explanation, explanation videos about different topics in the Bible and, the, and especially the Bible books that help you understand things. Um, there's many resources out there. But the only way that you're going to is if you continue, continue to read it, especially systematically going through the whole book. That's how you get much more understanding. All right, how's, here's another one. Um, 
I don't like to read. <laughs> well, there's this awesome thing on the U version where you can listen to it, so excuses done. Listen to it instead then. Or um, I, this, this is my favorite. I keep getting interrupted by my children. Sorry, guys, I got a couple in here right now. But yeah, that's true. Sometimes it happens. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Or this one, I don't have time. Now, I love you, so I got to be a little harsh here. If you said this to yourself, but you watched TV that day, you have time. You just do. You just didn't make time. That's not, you know, I was tired. Yeah. Do it tired. Fall asleep. That's okay. You still did it. So some things that help stay us, keep us on track. All right. So uh, these, this helps us to, to not give up when, when, you know, we set a resolution and we don't stick with it uh, for a couple days. So things that help you stay on track. Aim for consistency. Even over quantity or quality. If you're starting a new habit, aim for consistency. Stay regular. Don't worry. The quantity of it, you know, reading more or the quality of it, that will increase if you can get the habit going. Aim for that first. Uh, One of the biggest things that helps for this, for Bible reading and journaling, is to set a time and place. It's an appointment with God. Most of you don't miss your appointments. Some of you do, but most of you don't miss your appointments, right? If they're in your calendar, you show up. It's the same thing. If you have made an appointment with God this way and somebody wants your time, you can legitimately say, sorry, I have an appointment. He's a person. It's okay. You could say that. He doesn't have to come last. And then this is probably one of the most important ones is give yourself grace. Look, oftentimes, over time, you know, I talked about, just had a thought, so I'm going to go with it, but you know the parable of the lost son, where the one son goes away, lives terribly, comes back, and is given tons of grace. He's accepted back into the father's home. The older brother, who did everything right, is mad that this guy gets to come back after blowing it so bad. At some point in our Christian walk, we all become the older brother, to a degree. And we think that we're earning things with God. And we start to approach our, our disciplines as if we're earning stuff. Us reading and spending time with God doesn't earn us a thing. You can't do anything, anything to cause God to love you more than he does right now. Anything. So what is it? What are spiritual disciplines? It's time with our loved one. It's time for him to reveal himself to us and to work on us and to make us like him. It's just, it's opening the hood for him to work on us. It's not earning anything. So when you mess up, when you realize it's been two days or whatever, or maybe it's been longer, know it's grace and know that he just wants to spend time with you. But you don't have to earn it back. Now, I will say, when you're out of the habit, you're not sensitive to him, so there are consequences from that in the sense that, you know, it takes time for you to warm up to being sensitive to God. But you have grace for that. Don't avoid him because you've been avoiding him. Don't do that. And then lastly, um, recognize the stage of life you're in and adjust to it. You know, um, before kids, my devotions looked different. Um, I would often be alone. I could do it at any time. 
you know, it was quiet. I like quiet. I'm, I'm getting so old. Anyways, um, it was quiet. And then, especially for my wife, she stayed home with our four kids. There came a time where devotions couldn't look like that anymore. They just couldn't. You know, when kids are little, you have to keep them alive. You're like this, you know, you're chasing, you can't turn your back or they're going to die. That's just true. And there wasn't a moment for her. And I remember, you know, God speaking to her, like, do it with them. Now, does it look the same? No. But you bring them into it. Um, The kids here, when they're in fourth grade and they're in bridge, and the different bridge retreats and the milestone middle, the kids learn how to soap. So one thing, if you've got slightly older kids, is just sit at the table, read one chapter, have them write a couple sentences while you're doing yours, and share it. Now, be realistic. They're going to, like, draw, you know, stick figures and not do what they're supposed to and, you know, poke their brother and sister, and you just be realistic with that, right? Or when they're little, um, it may be, you know, finding a resource for them. Now, we have a resource here at Community of Hope um, that is on the desk for Kids of Hope um, at, all, at both of our campuses. It's called Parent Q. I'm going to show you a picture of it up there. Um, and this is, tells you what they're learning in Kids of Hope. And you can go over the scriptures. You could read that with them. There's, there's activity ideas on the back. This would be an awesome thing to start out this year. If you're in a season where the traditional view isn't, you know, doesn't seem right because you've got to keep the boogers alive, you know, do this with them. Try it. Try something. God will bless it. And the truth is that, you know, here at Community Hope, our family minister teams work really hard to equip you as parents to disciple your kids. That's our job, is to equip you to disciple your kids. We don't disciple your kids. We help you in doing that. So bring them into this. It's the perfect opportunity to do that this year. Just an an example, we're not saying necessarily get this, but an example of a book that Jen and I liked um, is called Long Story Short. Let me me just give give an example of what it would look like. In this book, it goes through the whole biblical narrative, set up with the kids, certain passages you read, and some questions to get them to think. It takes 10 minutes, approximately 10 minutes. You do it five times a week. What would that do to your family if you did that this year? How much better would you feel as a parent? You know, how much more connected could, could happen through that? So it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly this. I'm, we're just saying... Get a plan. Stick to it. Commit to it. Bring your kids into it. Let's make 2020 the year of God's word where we let it transform us and grow us into being Christ-centered. So um, some of you know that God is calling you to you know, recommit to daily devotions. Some of you know God wants you to start reading and praying with your kids. Um, And I just want to pray for us. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask a question in a minute. Let's pray. Lord, Father in heaven, Lord, I just pray that you speak to your people. Lord, that um, by your grace, not guilt, Lord, but by your grace, Lord, that they would sense what you're calling them to change. Lord, for those who have been consistent and it's working, Lord, just encourage them to continue.
Lord, for those who know they need to get back on track, Lord, I pray that you would, um, that you would quicken that idea in their heart now, that you give them uh, the desire to seek you that way. With everyone's head continued to be bowed, just between me and the Lord, um, if, if that's you, if you feel God's wanting you to do that, would you raise your hand? God's wanting you to recommit. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, Father in heaven, bless, bless those who are responding to you. Give them strength, we pray. Lord, you are our hope. You are the living God. Lord, you are the one that uh, we live our lives for. And I just pray, Lord, as we sing this song, that um, you would empower us by your spirit to truly worship you and to take in the truth of what it says. Thank you, Lord, for your hope. Will you stand as we sing? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Well, go blessed in the knowledge of God's grace, his desire to teach you this year in 2020. And we'll see you next week as we start our new series on how to have the best year yet. God bless. We'll see you next week.